0: And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles up to John chapter 14, John chapter 15, excuse me, John chapter 15, I'm a week behind here. We are finishing up our sermon series we've entitled, I Am. Seven times through the book of John, Jesus uses the phrase, I Am, and then describes himself. We've been walking through those Learning more about Christ, hopefully challenging you in your faith, challenging you in your understanding. And and I've read these each week, and this is the last week I'm gonna do this, but I want to read them one more time. I think they're worthy of hearing again and, and being reminded of. John chapter six, verse thirty-five, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John chapter eight, verse twelve, I am the light of the world. John ten, seven, I am the door. John eleven, twenty-five, I am the resurrection and the life. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. Last week, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 15, 5, this morning, I am the vine. And so I want to jump right in this morning. A lot to look at, a lot to share. John chapter 15, we're going to really look at the first 13 verses. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word. We have it on the screen as well. These are the words of Christ, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I want to put this in context, as I always try to do. I want you to understand kind of where Jesus is coming from, why this matters. And remember, Jesus is speaking to a first century Jewish audience. And he's going to use this example of vine and branches, right? And I want you to kind of get this picture here. In the first century, agriculture, gardens, farming, planting were life-giving, If you've done a garden, and and many people in this area like to do gardens over the summer, we typically do a garden in the summer, and we grow tomatoes or corn or ochre or whatever your favorite uh, crop is, or maybe you do fruit trees. But typically for us, when we do gardens, we do them because they're hobbies, right? I, I doubt if anybody in here planted a garden last summer because they needed the food in order to survive. We like gardens, and we like fresh produce, but if your tomatoes don't produce, what do you do? You just go to Publix and buy tomatoes, right? Or you go to the farmer's market and you buy tomatoes. So it's a fun thing for us. It's a hobby and we enjoy doing it. But it's not life-giving for us. It's not necessary in the world that we live in to have this food in order to survive. In the first century, when Jesus is speaking to these people, oftentimes agriculture and farms and planting were life-giving for these people. So the connection is important. When Jesus speaks of being the vine, he's talking about the life-giving nourishment He provides for us, okay? So it's in that context that we read about this illustration of the vine and the branches. So I'm going to give you some truth from this text. We're going to walk through it together, see if we can understand and figure out how to live more and more to bring Christ glory. Now, every one of my points is going to reside around the idea of joy and abiding. Because later in the text, and we'll get to it here towards the end, Jesus talks about finding joy in him. So my first point is this. It's on the screen for you as well. We find joy when we abide in his nourishment and provision. Speaking of the Lord, we find joy when we abide in his nourishment and provision. Just kind of summarize this whole sermon. If you wanted to get the main idea, if you wanted to kind of take one thing away from this sermon, it's this. Jesus is life to us. Jesus is life. And if you don't get that, if you've never experienced that, you're missing out on one of the great joys of this world. We think we find joy in a lot of things, and far too often we spend a lot of time pursuing those other things, hoping to find joy. Joy, true joy, full joy, is found only in the life that we lead with Christ. Now, this illustration is important because, remember, Jesus is always making the connection to the Old Testament. Jesus is always kind of showing these people that he's the long-awaited, the long-promised Messiah. And so when he speaks about the idea of the vine and the branches, again, for us in our context, it's kind of hard for us to fully grasp the significance. But in the Old Testament, oftentimes the people of Israel were referred to as the vine. So you read passages of Scripture like Psalm chapter eighty. Beginning of verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it, you cleared the ground for it, it took deep root and filled the land, right? Talking about the people of Israel. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 7 says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Hosea chapter 10 verse 1, Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit, right? So, time and time again, we see in the Old Testament that the people of Israel were referred to as the vine. Here's the problem with the people of Israel they never fully lived up to the expectations the Lord gave them. Right, they, they were much like us, they were much like me, they were sinful. Sometimes they did really well and followed the Lord and trusted Him, and then other times they didn't. And so when they came out of Egypt, the Lord wanted to take them into the promised land. They didn't listen, they didn't obey, and so they wandered for 40 years. And the problem was they had leaders, and they had kings, and they had prophets, and they had priests who did a nice job but couldn't lead them to where they ultimately needed to go. And so Jesus is going to make this connection for these people. He's going to say something very interesting in verse 1. Pull verse 1 up. I want you to see this. Thinking about the connection of the Old Testament, the Jewish people were the vine. They weren't always led properly. They didn't always listen to the things of the Lord. Jesus says in verse 1, I am the, what's the next word there? True vine, right? There's no substitute for Christ. We understand that, right? There's no substitute for joy There's no substitute for hope. There's no substitute for for the goodness and the salvation that only Christ can offer. So Jesus is saying to them, listen, in the Old Testament, what the kings and the prophets and the religious leaders could not do, Jesus says, I'm going to now fulfill. Right? It's the fulfillment of the prophecy, looking ahead to Messiah. I am now the true vine. I've come to lead you in the ways of God. The Lord, but I want you to notice how he says that we do this. Right? We do this, and he uses a very simple word a, a, a bunch of different times in this context. He says we must abide in him. Now, that word abide is used 10 times in 11 verses. And I've said this before, but anytime you're studying scripture, there are certain ways that you study God's word. One of the ways you study it is by looking at repetition. Right? What things are mentioned over and over again? And when you find one word that's mentioned 10 times in 11 verses, there's an important theme here. So let's define the word abide. Abide means to remain stable or fixed, to continue in place, to reside. And so we get this idea as Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies as he's Messiah, we abide in Jesus, we remain in his strength we, re, we reside in his love. We have this connection. We have this dependence. We have this relationship, right? And so you, you ask yourself this question if you're gonna figure out how to apply this to your life, am I residing, am I living, am I abiding in Christ? Like, where do you find your joy? Where do you find your hope? Where where do you find the peace? that passes all understanding. right? If you're trying to find it in the world, you're going to be mistaken. If you're looking for it in Christ, you're going to find it when you abide in him, when you trust him, when you rest in him, when you draw life from him. Now, here's the, the struggle, right? It's not always easy, is it? Like, we, we get it on uh, an intellectual level. Like, we can read it and process and, uh, and understand it. We, we know that we need to abide in Christ. The problem is sometimes we don't do it. And so we don't find the time or or we don't find the energy or or we don't find the passion or or the desire to really find life from Christ. and We look for it in so many other places and we struggle. But I love what he says in verse 2 because there's a little bit of of struggle in life and that sometimes there's a little bit of struggle in the Christian faith. He talks about vines that don't bear fruit are taken away and, and branches that do bear fruit he prunes. Now, to prune, if you don't know, means to cut away. And so we see this idea in Scripture that as we're abiding, as we're trusting, as we're loving, as we're taking nourishment and peace and protection from the Lord, part of his process in our life is to cut away the things that hinder us from growing more. So one of the questions you ought to ask yourself, it ought to lead to a prayer. One of the questions you ought to ask yourself is, listen, what in my life is hindering me from inviting more in the Lord? Lord, can you reveal to me, this is the prayer, Lord, can you reveal to me the things in my heart that are keeping me from following you more? Can you reveal to me the things in my life that are keeping me from abiding more deeply in your word? Can you reveal to me the sin, Lord, that is kind of keeping me from understanding and experiencing your full joy and your will in my life? Right? Because the Lord wants us to grow and abide and find our strength and nourishment in Him. And sometimes that requires pruning in our lives. We need to remove the things that keep us from living the life Christ has called us to live. Now look at verse 5. Jesus says it again. He kind of uses the same illustration, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. That's an interesting phrase. We're going to come back to it in a second. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you by my Father. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Right? We find joy when we abide in His nourishment and his provision and his protection. Secondly, we find joy when we abide in His word and bear much fruit. Now, that's an interesting phrase there. We talk about bearing fruit. What, what does that mean? We talk about apples, oranges, pears. Uh, Amy went a couple of weeks ago to North Georgia and, and brought home this big sack of apples. And they're, they're good apples, by the way. They are really good apples. And I decided I was going to make some apple jelly. Anybody know how to make apple jelly? A couple people? Well, apple jelly is really good. And I love the taste of Apple jelly. And uh, I tried to make apple jelly. I just thought, well, you know, I can figure this out. You know, I'm a pretty smart guy. I'll make some apple jelly. My first batch of apple jelly uh, was liquidy. It was more like apple juice, but it was just kind of a weird apple juice because it tasted really sweet like jelly, but it wasn't jelly at all, just real liquidy. The second batch I made was hard as a rock. I'm not joking. I literally could not get the knife down into the jelly. I got it out. I was like, man, I want to make me some toast this morning. <laughs> got, out, got out some butter and got out that apple jelly. You know, I just couldn't quite get the knife down in the jelly. I've got to find a middle ground. So if you're an expert on apple jelly, uh, I'd love to hear from you. But we see this idea of abiding and bearing fruit, and we think, what kind of fruit are we talking about? Physical fruit, apples, pears? No, 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 we're talking about spiritual fruit. And so there's this idea, right, as we're abiding in Christ, as we're deepening our walk, as we're receiving life from him in our lives, he produces certain things, right? He produces spiritual fruit. Now, Galatians gives us a real clear picture of what this spiritual fruit looks like. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is, there's a long list here, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we, I, I, we understand this idea that as we abide in Christ, we grow in our Christ-like character, right? We love more. We have more patience and more faithfulness, more gentle, and we have more self-control. And so one of the ways you kind of compare yourself to Scripture, and by the way, a big part of your Christian life ought to be comparing your walk to the Scripture. Am I living my life the way that the Lord calls me to live it? Am I experiencing love and peace and patience and joy and goodness? And self control? Am I living out the fruit of the Spirit? Because Christ tells us listen, when we're abiding in Him, when we're trusting Him, when we're gaining nourishment and strength from Him, there should be evidence in our lives. And so if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're honest and you say, listen, I don't think I've ever seen fruit in my life, come talk to me. I'd love to help you think through this and help you understand what salvation really looks like and what it really means to live. Christ. And some of you are saying, listen, I get that. I understand there should be things that have been uh, born in my life, right? There are certain things and certain Christ-like characters I should have, and I, I want to have those more. But give me a kind of a clear picture of what that looks like. Like, how can I do that? What are some things I can do that will allow that fruit to be produced in my life? Pull up verse 7 for me. I want you to see verse 7 here. This is John chapter 15. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me, right, the idea of deepening your walk, spending time, and my words abide in you. See that? One of the keys to abiding in Christ and, and producing spiritual fruit and growing in our walk and growing in our faith is to abide in his word. That's the Bible. And so we ask ourselves questions like, am I spending any real time in God's word? Like if I were to follow you around during the week, how often do you pick up God's Word? How often are you reading it? How often are you studying it? Or Are you memorizing it? Are you trying to take the truths you've learned in Scripture, whether it's in a sermon or a Sunday school lesson or in your own personal devotion, are you trying to take those truths and figure out how to apply them to your lives? Like, Are you allowing God's Word to abide in you? You know, we come to this part of the year where it's end of the year and first of next year and sometimes we make new year's resolutions right and typically they last a few weeks and then we go ah eh, that's enough of that I'll do something different right well maybe this year instead of a new year's resolution you could make kind of a simple promise listen I'm just going to spend more time in God's word that's it no resolution no no fancy anything sometimes we make things too complicated I'm just going to make a commitment to myself and to the Lord that I'm going to spend more time in God's word I'm going to read it more often I'm, I'm going to study it more often. I'm going to memorize it as much as I can. Some of you are saying, listen, I, I need something better, right? Because we've kind of come to this place, unfortunately, in our Christian walk in Western America, Western world, uh, where we say, in order to grow in my faith, I need a workbook. I need to watch an hour-long video do three or four pages in the workbook, fill in the blanks, check the boxes, right? I'm not preaching against those things. Sometimes those things can be very helpful, and there are great Bible studies out there. But did you know it can be just as simple as reading God's Word, meditating on His Word? Did you know that? I mean, you can grow in your faith. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, money-back guarantee on this one, okay? If you said, listen, for this next year, I'm not going to pick up any other Bible studies. I'm not going to pick up any other workbooks. I'm not going to fill in any more blanks. Again, I'm not saying those things are wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But if you said, I'm not going to do any of these things. I'm just every day going to commit to reading God's Word and praying through God's Word. You'd be amazed at how you'll grow in Christ. I promise. How do I know? Because that's what Jesus says. If you abide in me. And let my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And so, what are we doing to spend time in God's word? I love what one writer said about this. He's talking about bearing fruit and and how this falls on what Christ is doing in our lives. Listen, what he says To bear genuine fruit, you must take your place on the vine and get as close to Jesus as you can. Strip away all the things of the world. It doesn't have to be complicated. Strip away the things of the world. Put aside the sins that distract you and sap your energy. Put aside everything that robs you of a deep, personal, loving relationship with Jesus. Stay apart from sin and be in God's Word. Now watch. Having done all of this, don't worry about bearing fruit. It's not your concern. The vine will merely use you to bear fruit. Get close to Jesus, and his energy in you will bear fruit. Isn't that amazing? If we'll just trust the Lord, if we'll just follow him, if we'll just spend time in his word, we will grow and we'll bear much fruit. It's kind of like a garden. When you would do a garden, you can prepare the soil, you can put nutrients in there, you can water it, you can weed it, but it's the Lord that causes the increase, right? Same thing with your walk. Christ. You do everything you can in study and reading and praying, but ultimately we trust the Lord to make us grow and to allow fruit to grow in our life. Now we need to finish this up. Look at verse 9, John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11. These things I've spoken to you, That my joy may be in you. Here's the idea about joy. And that joy may be full. This is my commandment, right? It's not a suggestion. It's not a hope. It's not a wish. It's a commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Here's truth number three. We find joy when we abide in his love and love one another. We find joy when we abide in his love and when we love one another. Now, the, the beautiful picture about Scripture we see really from the beginning to the end is the love that Christ shows us. Right? And the ultimate way in which Jesus demonstrated his love was on the cross. Right? Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we we understand his love for us, right? We get that, we understand it through study, we've seen it, we know that Jesus loves us, but he's given us this commandment, right? Because he's loved us, he's now calling us in verse 12 that we love one another. So the way in which I've loved you, Jesus says, and been willing to give everything for you, you should be willing to love other people. You should be willing to sacrifice for other people. You should be willing to do whatever it takes to demonstrate your love for other people. Now, Jesus talks about this, and he helps us understand this, and then he lives this out for us. He says, listen, I want you to abide in me. I want you to find hope in me, find peace in me, find joy in me. Just as I've loved you, I want you to love other people. Now, one of the things we talk about here a lot at this church is connecting, right? We want you to connect with Christ, that's through salvation, and with this church, right? And there's very clear biblical picture of people being connected to community. And the way we provide that for you, there are a lot of different things we do at this church, but one of the ways we allow you or help you to find community and connect with others and love others is through a small group. And we were talking about this as a team this week about the significance and the importance of community. So if you're not in a small group, if you're not in a Sunday school class or a group that meets at some point during the week, you need to be in a group. You need to be around other believers at some point where you can open God's Word, be challenged to study, to pray together. After this service, if you don't have a small group, you can go out to the Connect desk or you can go to the Fellowship Hall. Jeremy Phillips is our adult minister. He'll be out there to help you find a group to talk to you about a group. You can call him during the week. You can call me. I'd love to plug you in so you can be involved with another group of people, a chance to grow in your faith, to to walk with the Lord alongside other people, to demonstrate love for other people. Why? Because that's what Christ calls us to do. And as we abide in him... As we abide in his word, we find joy, we find strength, we find a desire to serve other people, to love other people, but it only happens through Christ. It only happens through Jesus. I want you to hear this as I finish this up this morning. If you heard nothing else, I want you to understand very simply. If you will abide in Christ and love him and trust him, you'll find joy and peace and he will use you because without Christ, You can do nothing. Are you abiding in him? Are you trusting him? Are you obeying his commandments? Are you allowing him to love the world in his power and in his might for the sake of his kingdom? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you for what you've done in this scripture. We thank you for the I am statements throughout the book of John. We thank you that Christ has given us this this very clear picture of exactly how we can live, of how we can abide, of how we can find joy, of how we can serve others. Father, you just painted a a crystal clear picture for us. Lord, help us now to live this. Help us to abide in Christ, to abide in his word, to, to, to trust more, to love more. And then, Father, I pray you would do great work in our hearts for the sake of your kingdom. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory.